Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hey there, TCC. My name is Shane. I'm one of the pastors here. Open up your Bibles, if you have them, to 2 Timothy. We're going to be looking at the first section of chapter 2 as we continue in our sermon series, which we're calling Entrusted. Uh, I, I love this letter. Now, this is an emotionally charged letter. This is the last writing from the Apostle Paul. Paul believes, as he writes this, that his time is running out. He believes that shortly he'll be going to his death. He tells us this in the final chapter, chapter 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. In 1 Timothy, Paul gives instructions to Timothy about how to fix certain problems in the church in Ephesus. There's a lot of practical advice, sound teaching, a lot of direction for church organization and best practices and problem solving. But this is a very different sort of letter. Uh, This is a letter from a father knowing his end is near and writing to a son. And what does he want to say to him in his last moments? When all is said and done, what does he really want him to know? What does he really want him to hold on to? Approach this letter with that mindset and listen to the last words of the Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses in trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. You then, my son. This is a spiritual father talking to a spiritual son. The Apostle Paul is about to go the way of all men. He's about to pass on from this world. And Paul is a giant of the faith. You know, most of the books from our New Testament are written by Paul. And by the Spirit of God, uh, Paul was powerful in word and deed. He performed amazing miracles. He, he raised the man from the dead, even. And he was the chief minister to the Gentiles, to people like us. And a missionary and planted all of these churches, a giant of the faith. How is Timothy going to do this without Paul? You can imagine that that's how Timothy is feeling. You can imagine that Paul is worried for him like any father would be. You know, worried, concerned. What's going to happen when I'm gone? 
What's going to happen with Timothy? How, how is he going to handle this? What's going to happen with my ministry? What's going to happen to the churches? They're, they're so frail. They're so weak. You know, we read in all these letters about all of these problems in the churches, serious problems, sin, disorder, dysfunction. What's going to happen to them without Paul's steady hand to guide them? Well, they'd be like sheep without a shepherd, wouldn't they? That'd be a natural thought, wouldn't it? That'd be a human sentiment, a natural feeling. And I think you see this on Paul's mind. I think you see it in Paul's writing here because of what he points us to. We saw this last week, chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. Then in verse 5, he says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul points us to a legacy of faith and ultimately to the faithfulness of God. As Pastor Ryan said last week, God is the author and sustainer of our faith. And Paul is reminding Timothy, he is reminding us, and probably reminding himself that we don't do this alone. It is God's hand at work, and we can see God at work through the faithfulness as the treasure gets entrusted generation to generation. Paul's ancestors, Timothy's mother and grandmother, faithfully guarding the treasure through the power of God. This letter often reminds me of the death of Moses. It says this in Numbers, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain in the Abarim range and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah Kadish in the desert of Zin. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will attain decision for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. The Israelites lose their leader just as they're on the brink of war, right when they would seem to need him the most. You know, anybody could have led them wandering in the desert, but now they're going to need courage. They're going to need boldness and a strong hand. And at that moment, God takes away Moses. You know, I think a lot of people look at this with some sorrow because Moses doesn't get to go into the land that's been promised. But Moses goes to the real promised land. And the truth is, this is such a good and gracious thing that God does because his people need to realize that it's not Moses that leads. It has always been God. 
It's not Aaron. It's not Moses. They're dead. Aaron is not the one who forgives your sins. Moses is not the one who guides you. It is God who leads, not Moses. It is Christ's church, not Paul's. It is Christ who is our shepherd. And that is the comfort that Paul points us to. Verse 9, This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Paul might be bound, but Christ cannot be bound. Paul is in chains, but the gospel is unchained. It is Christ who leads, it is God who empowers, and it is the Holy Spirit that will help us to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us. And the Spirit of God will help us in that. And Paul is reminded of that as he looks back and sees the faithfulness of those who came before him. And he sees it in Timothy's life too. His mother Eunice, his grandmother Lois. Uh, my grandmother's name was Lois on my mother's side, too. Uh, so I can't help but think about her when I come to this passage. Uh, she was very loving to her grandchildren, uh, but she was also a, a force of a woman. Uh, she was brash and opinionated and often graceless. I'll tell you one story among many. Uh, I was standing next to her one time in a pew in church, and one of the elders of the church comes up to her, puts out his hand, and says, Good morning, Lois. She doesn't shake it. She shakes her head and says, Nope, I'm mad at you. It was really awkward for me. Uh, but that's the kind of person that she was. You know, whatever pops into your head when you hear the term saint, she wasn't that. You know, certainly not in the Catholic sense. And yet, and yet Christ had a hold of her. She was the first in her household to come to saving faith. Uh, my grandfather was not a believer then. It was my grandmother who brought my mother to church. My grandmother was deeply flawed, but she guarded what was entrusted to her. And from that, you, you can trace a line to my faith, to my mother's faith, to my uncle's faith, to my aunt's faith, to my cousin's faith, to my grandfather's faith too. Because she guarded what was entrusted. And the same thing is true for you too. Someone told you about Jesus. Even if you came to saving faith just from reading the Bible, that is still due to the faithfulness of others. Jesus didn't write the Bible. His followers did. And there again, you see how this plays out. It is by God's power and his spirit that his sovereign hand works through the faithfulness of his people. By faith, they wrote these words down. By faith, people copied it and copied it. By faith, they traveled to distant lands to spread these words. By faith, they translated it into languages you can understand, even at great personal risk. Oh, see yourself in the legacy of faith. You are here because of the faithfulness of those who came before you. From Paul to Timothy to you. And a whole host of people who guarded what was entrusted to them. Some of them were giants of the faith, but others were people like my grandmother. People you'll never read about in history books. People who were faithful with only a little, maybe just a small thing. But it meant salvation for you. And that should fill us with gratitude. But also with boldness and determination. Paul gives this instruction to Timothy in verse 2. 
And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Look at all these people who came before you, who guarded the treasure and passed it on to you. Pass it on. Pass it on. Now, we just wrapped up the Olympics in Tokyo. And for the Olympics, you have the lighting of the Olympic torch. And it starts in Olympia, Greece, and then it travels usually many, many miles, and the flame is passed on to different torchbearers, sometimes thousands of torchbearers, until finally it reaches its destination at the host city. If you were one of those torchbearers, uh, that has got to feel like a huge responsibility, right? The flame has traveled so far, it's, it's passed from one to another to another, and finally to you. Whatever you do, Don't let it go out. Guard what has been entrusted. As Christians, we are torchbearers. Only what we carry is of infinitely greater worth than the Olympic torch. It's traveled further. It's endured more and has persevered by the power of God and faithfulness of those who went before and it's come to you. Don't you dare let it go out. As Paul tells Timothy in chapter 1, fan into flame the gift God gave you. Guard the treasure. Pass it on. It's that important. It is even worth suffering for. He says in verse 3, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Join me in suffering. Is that just because misery loves company? No, Paul is writing to a person that he loves like a son. He says this for his good, to help him recognize that the gospel is everything. The gospel is worth suffering for. The gospel is worth dying for. And he calls Timothy to be singularly devoted to it, like a soldier, like a runner in a race, like a farmer tending to his livelihood. Everything that we do follows from and flows out of the truth of the gospel. You know, one of our mission principles at TCC states that we are a church, not a social club. What does that mean? What's the point of that statement? Well, we explain it like this. Though there are many great things that arise from church, we hold that the fundamental purpose of church is to proclaim the truth of the gospel. We are unapologetically religious and unwaveringly proclaim that Christianity is the truth that sets men free. There are lots of good charities, plenty of social clubs and community organizations, but there is only one church, and it is defined by profession of Jesus Christ as Lord. When it's all said and done, as his death draws near, what does this spiritual father say to his son? What does he really want him to know? What does he really want him to do? Feed the poor? No. Though that's a good thing. Look after the widow and the orphan. No. Though that is very, very important. Don't forget to tithe. No. No, he wants him to hold on to the truth. That's really what the entire letter is all about. Some people have abandoned the truth. Some people will abandon the truth. Some people will get lost in meaningless, secondary things. But as for you, Timothy, hold on to the truth. 
and proclaim it. He says this in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. Well, yeah, that seems important. There's no gospel without it. Descended from David. Well, that one might seem a little less important. It's certainly true. Uh, Jesus did descend from David, but he could have listed all manner of people. Uh, Descended from Abraham. Descended from Israel. Descended from Judah. Descended from Rahab, even. Or how about Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, the Son of God? You could have said that. Those are all true statements. And they all have significance in their own right. But he goes with David because with David there are promises and prophecies. And Paul is showing us the faithfulness of God. God says to David in 2 Samuel, I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. But you might have noticed that the nation of Israel has no king. So did God's word fail? No, God says this to David's son Solomon in 1 Kings. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I commanded and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. But... If you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. This is conditional, and they did not hold up their end. They did not observe the commands and decrees of God, and they went off and served and worshipped other gods. They didn't guard the treasure. They let the flame go out. They disowned him, and so God disowned them. As Paul says in verse 12, If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And that is what happens in the line of David. And yet... And yet, we have these words, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And we see that through the line of David. They didn't keep their pledge. They didn't keep their promise, but God does. Jeremiah says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Jesus descends from David, from the line of David, from the line of kings, and he comes as a king and establishes his kingdom that will endure for all times and his throne where he reigns forever. God kept his promise even when we didn't. God was faithful 
even when we were faithless. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Guard the good deposit. Guard what has been entrusted to you. But even if we should stumble, even if we should falter, God will remain faithful because he cannot disown himself. Listen to these words from Ezekiel. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people. And yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And we take comfort in the sovereignty of God, that even if we fail, God will not, for his own sake, if for no other reason. You know, Paul warns us in this letter in chapter 4 that a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. But as for us, stand firm in the truth. Some people have abandoned the truth. Some people will abandon the truth. Some people will get lost in meaningless secondary things. But as for us, hold on to the truth and proclaim it and pass it on. Don't let the light go out on your watch. In the temple and in the tabernacle, there was the lamp. And God commands this about it in Leviticus. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure olive oil beaten for the lamp to cause the lamps to burn continually. Outside the veil of the sanctuary, in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange it continually from the evening until the morning before the Lord. It shall be a perpetual statute in your generations. Everything in the temple directs us to Christ. And Jesus says of himself in John, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the light of the world gives his light to his followers. Jesus declares this in Matthew. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Our faithfulness, the light that we carry is salvation for people. As Paul said in verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's what matters in the end. Listen to these words from John. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus is that light and it has gone out through the world from generation to generation starting with Jesus to Paul to Timothy to generations and generations of torchbearers and now it's to you. To you. Don't let it go out on your watch. Guard what has been entrusted to you. Entrust it to others. Guard it. With the help of the Spirit, guard it. It means everything. It means salvation. Don't let it go out. That's what the spiritual father is telling his spiritual son. Keep the candle burning. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.